This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Uh, a very busy pod as always today, breaking down a much needed 1-0 win over QPR, thank God. Uh, some a little bit of news uh, and bits like that, and then we'll also look, of course, to this weekend's fixture against Coventry. Now, it wouldn't be a podcast if it was just me, it'd be pretty damn boring, so uh, welcome back Mr Daniel Buxton. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm breathe a bit mate, I'm breathe. Yeah, you like that phrase, and it used it on Radio Stoke the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it's very out there, isn't it? It just perfectly sums up where we're sort of at. Um, yeah, it was. It's been a long week of worry, I think, leads up to Wednesday night, and now we can just hopefully relax. That that the worst that we've maybe hit the bottom for this season anyway, and we can, uh, let's say, guide ourselves to a bit of safety. A bit of relaxation and then the manager can work his uh, magic over the summer ready for next year. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we know too well not to jump the gun on that one. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly see. But no, look, I think I think you're right. Um, I mean, getting into last night, I, I looked at the team when obviously it first came out and uh, I wouldn't say there was overly any major surprises. I guess for me, I think Kundal's inclusion was a little bit of a surprise. I think looking back on the game now, I think I can kind of see why he went with him. I think the jury's still out on Condor for me, but I, th- I still think to to have Chamadu, obviously it was a bit further up uh, the pitch a little bit, you know, Ennis, Bay. I don't think there was overly major surprises. I thought he might have tried to start with Manhoof, but I think if we take just the kind of team as itself... For me, Dan, I don't know about you, but for me, the the Kundal inclusion was more of the surprise. I thought he might have gone, you know, Berger, Baker, um, and Juno is the three. But I think even then, I think Juno he kind of played in that almost left hand side. He's, you know, has it naturally drifted inside as well at times. There was, I think, there was a lot of moving parts in that midfield. But I think Kundal was probably the main surprise for me and and Manhoof, I guess. Uh, beyond that, I think it was what most of us would have chosen. Would you kind of go with that? Yeah, I think I was, I was very happy to see Baker come back in. I thought he had a good game. Yeah, it was interesting as well for me. Baker seemed to be sitting deeper. He seemed to be the one that was sort of playing where Berger had been playing previously, uh, you know, sort of taking the ball off the defence. And 
and that seems to be um, whether that, whether they were alternating, and I just kept like noticing Baker there. But, but yeah, for me, it's, it makes it seem different. I thought he, he played well, to be fair. Um, it wasn't a it wasn't a performance that it wasn't classic Stoke City, was it? It wasn't one you're going to record and and uh, you know watch back you know, a dozen times. It was one of them games that didn't need a performance like that, though. It was all about getting the victory, and I think the the, you know, the lads showed and to me answered a lot of questions really about their sort of you know the character, their ability to fight, the desire. You know, they've been, uh, questions have been asked about them and the, things that footballers probably don't like being questioned on uh, are those sort of, you know, uh, spectrums to the game, aren't they? And they answered a lot of the questions last night and showed that, yeah, they will fight and they, they can get do the hard work, the nitty-gritty kind of stuff that, you know, that, that, that you have to do to be able to go out and do the nice, fancy stuff. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably a good summary because, I mean, before the goal, I'm going to be honest, it was a pretty drab game of football from both sides. QPR were not good. And you could see why they were down here with us because, quite simply, we were not good either. Uh, I think that the goal came at, at the right time. I think that if, if if there is a right time for goals, you know, I think we, we took the chance that we had. I think the flick on slash missed header, which is what it was, I think, for me. It was it was a header that he was he really should have made contact with McNally. Um but Luke Berger, he he rightly pointed out in his own interview that, you know, if you if you hang around that back post at, you know, four or five times a season, the ball's gonna land at your feet. So I think that was just what we needed at the right time. I think if you take that out, I do doubt whether we would have had enough to break through, if I'm honest. I think overall it was still a very... It was a game that lacked a lot of quality, but I think you kind of hit it there, really. There was grit, there was determination. You know, you saw towards the end of the game, Baker and Loren literally riling up the players, like saying, right, this is the last... Especially when that eight minutes goes up, which I don't know where the hell they got eight minutes from. But when that went up, it was a constant... You saw him visibly, you know, riling up the players around him, the likes of Kundal and the defence. Right, let's get through this now. We absolutely cannot let this slip. And that is that that leader... You know, the, the yeah, the leaders on the pitch is the best way to point it. Like, that's exactly what we needed. And you know, I agree with you. Baker was solid last night, uh, really good. Berger, once again, is Berger. Like, he's he's so reliable, uh, really good. I hope his knock is just precautionary being taken off. Um, and you know what, Dan? I don't know about you, thought about these two. McNally and Rose. How good was Rose last night? He was cleaning up for Thompson several times. Like, that partnership shouldn't work, but it kind of is at the minute. Yeah, they just seem to complement each other's games, don't they? And I don't know, is there maybe a trust in there? Is it just the fact that they were them playing together previously at Coventry that, I mean, I don't even think they did that much, but I suppose they do know each other's game better than they would know, say, Ben Wilmot. Yeah. So is, is it just that? And like I say, they know where the other one's going to be or what the other one wants to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one, but if, if that's the, if that's the partnership that kept clean sheets, then that's the one we go with, I suppose. Um, well, yeah, Ben Wilmot's going to struggle to get back in if if that carries on. I mean, I, I genuinely did think Rose mate was was everywhere in that defence. He was covering left and right. Um, not the Michael Rose that I think a lot of us would actually associate with what we've seen early parts of the season. At least not for me. 
no, I think it was definitely one of his better games, and you could tell he was up for it as as yeah, as they all were. Um, I mean, I mentioned to you last night as well. I thought Keanu Hoover came back and, and had a you know real solid game. Uh, his form's been you know not the best. <laughs> That's safe to say. He's been very erratic. Um, even when he's had solid games, he's managed to throw one or two major clangers in. Uh, but for the you know for the main part last night, I thought he was really solid and you know he's something for him to build on there, isn't there? Because you know obviously there is ability there, and if he gets his confidence back up, you know he can be a he can be a very good player in this running. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think some some players just to call out again, I made a few notes. Uh, Thompson. I think he had a very shaky first half. Uh, we, we got beaten down that fullback position on a couple of occasions. The first one early on where they had obviously Iverson makes a decent save. I think he was one he should have made, but he, he still made it. But then second half, I thought he just figured them out. I think we, we, we backed off a little bit. We went a little bit deeper. And I think that really played into his hands a bit. And like I said, with Rose helping to support him, I think we definitely improved. But... It's still an issue. We, it's no shock. We can't do anything about it now. We've got to accept it for what it is. So I definitely think that Thompson grew into the game. Henry, yeah, I'll give you that. He was he was okay. I still think there was a couple of times again where he's let his man go, but that's not his worst performance. So no, I'm not going to disagree with what you said. Uh, I think he was okay. Uh, Chamadu, I thought, again, looked lively I think the final ball isn't always great from him but that's something he can he could develop there was a couple of crosses which were pinpoint um, which were really good Ennis is the Jacob Brown um, of this team now he didn't stop running you know he looked dangerous he was willing to run at his man a couple of times you know that's what we've needed and unfortunately I think the only downside when he came off was I think we kind of left, you know, we lost that a bit. I mean, I saw Wesley getting a few plaudits, and maybe I just didn't see what they saw. But for me, Wesley, yeah, okay, you held it up in the corner, okay, big deal. Um, but beyond that, I just think the ball bounces off him too much. You know, he was being out muscled at times, and I'm like, the size of you, I just, I still I just don't rate him down really. So I think we lost that bite and that grit when when Ennis came off. Yeah, I surprised as well, Wesley. He was quite nippy. <laughs> and we haven't really seen that from him, have we? We haven't seen any sort of any, uh, scrap of pace from him. Uh, but I think maybe when he's been chucked on previously, I mean, I think he's had very, very few starts. I'm not, do you know what? I, I keep sort of recording these things. I don't even think he's played a full 90 minutes yet. Um, and if he, yeah. I think starts-wise, he's probably only on a couple. So... I think what happens is usually it's chucked out at the end of games when we need a goal. And the opposite, because, you know, nine times out of ten this season, we've been behind in games needing a goal. <laughs> um, and so he gets thrown on, and the, the opposition defence are camped out in their own box. Then the midfielder sitting deeper, and he'd have nowhere to run in behind, would there? He'd have to play into. And because last night, obviously, QPR had to push on and try and get something, it left gaps and he showed, like I say, balls right around into the channels and, and over the top. He showed a bit of pace. And I thought maybe if we can utilise that more, there could actually be, you know, again, a usage for him that, that doesn't involve, we've got 10 minutes left, let's just smack it up to this big lad. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know where is how best to play to the guy, I think, at the minute. 
Um, I don't know if he is going to be that target man, which I don't think he's capable of that. You know, you know what? I actually, I've heard a lot about how good his heading was previously when, when he came. We obviously don't play that type of way, do we? We're not, we're not swinging the balls in and, and aiming for heads all the time. And I think that would probably suit him quite well uh, from his height. And if he is as good as people, some people made out. So I think just the nature of how we play is not going to suit him, unfortunately, I think. So I would not see, not surprised to see him go in, in the summer at all. Uh, is his contract up in the summer? Or I imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a 12 month contract. I think it's pretty yeah. much next time he'll be sticking past his new. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's best for him as, as, as much as anything. What did you make of um, QPR? I'll be honest, I was really not impressed, if I'm honest. And I don't want to be too harsh on an opposition team because we aren't great. But I just, I mean, other than the chap who was up front first half, I remember, I forget his name now. Um, he looked lively. It really, it really caused McNally a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine, wouldn't you, that obviously they've been in better form than we have. And, Armstrong, that's it. Armstrong. Oh, Armstrong, yeah, yeah, up front. He's, he's actually only about 20, isn't he? So he's, he's uh, definitely got got a bit of a future there, and there's definitely something to keep your way with. But if they continue to play on the last night, and I don't, you sometimes have to be, when you say like teams play poorly, I think sometimes you don't give the other side the correct amount of praise and and credit. Like, were they really poor or did we just stop everything they tried to do? We were just on it and stopped them being able to do. Like, we had a plan to nullify their attacks or whatever and we pulled off with perfection and they just couldn't create. I mean, they had the chance, didn't they, in the third minute? Um, that, obviously, you know, they needed a save out of everything. Uh, and after that, I don't really remember anything. There's, they had a few set pieces, a few corners they swung in. Uh, Bagovic came up at the end, didn't he? I was thinking, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> I know, yeah. He nearly got in on one of them, didn't he? On the first yeah. one. He nearly got there. And, and then the second one, he went and stood on the keeper's toes, didn't he? I'm roughing the keeper up. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like, I thought to myself, he's already scored at the other end, hasn't he? I thought, <laughs> I don't want... Um, but yeah, he... It was, it was just a really good performance. And I say keep it on themselves. I think if they do continue to play like that and get, whether it's a poor performance from them or a good performance from us, if they, if they allow themselves to be contained like that in the rest of the season, then they will unfortunately be game relegated. Yeah, yeah, they, they really weren't um, showing an awful lot. And I can't pronounce their manager's name. Um, I'm sure you can because you've got, you've got that. But Fuentes. That's the one. Um, so, I'm, you know, I was watching him at times and I, I don't know an awful lot about him, right? But at times he was just like, he was doing this like, come on, come on guys, come on guys. There seemed to be no tactical direction from him at all. And if that's how he is permanently, I mean, yeah, good luck to him. But I, I agree with you. If they carry on like that, they're going to go down. You can't just play a long ball into Armstrong and expect it to come off. So, again, maybe there's something better to come from them. But as far as we're concerned, we did the right things. We we just put effort in. Uh, for, for 90 minutes, for me, I think we put effort in. We, again, nothing spectacular. I mean, the substitutes coming on, other than the ones we've mentioned, uh, Lyndon Gooch didn't really do an awful lot. He had that shot uh, towards probably, what, 70, 80 minutes, something like that, which, um, yeah, you could argue we could do better. But that's why he's a defender and a striker. 
Ben Pearson settled in quite nicely. He didn't have much to do at all, but uh, yeah, was just a bit of a rock. He just was told just to sit there and do nothing else, I think. And then Lloris didn't have any time to do anything. And Josh Loren, same thing, really. Just didn't do an awful lot, put himself about. But for me, Dan, going forward, and we'll come to teams in a bit, I definitely want to see Baker and Berger as being the staple. And then he can, me- you know, can mess around with the other one. I just... I don't know about Kundal, Dan. I know I mentioned him briefly at the beginning, and I, I, we'll, we'll move on in a sec, but I just don't I don't see where he fits in right now. I think he's got he's, he's clearly taking time to settle in. Where, where do you see his best position? Because he, he did a lot of running around, and that's fine, but beyond that, I didn't see what else he really offered personally. Mm, I think he's an ace. He's definitely an ace into, uh, like, you know, he'll, he, in our midfield, there's two two sitting in front of the, the holding midfielder. And I think, you know, he's definitely one of those two. But again, yeah, I th- what he's lacking really is he's lacking that game that he's took by the scuff of the neck, if you like, and created a couple of chances that's won as, you know, won as a match or saved as a match. He's not, he's not been involved yet in that. He's, it, there's a lot of like passing, keeping the ball moving, you know, working, uh, the ball into areas and uh, try and create chances, let others create chances. But him himself, he's going a lot of his work sort of just going on under the radar in there. And I, I'd say he hasn't yet had that moment where you've gone, wow, that was a what a, yeah, that was a pass. Even if it doesn't lead to a goal, you think you know, he's you know, cut the defence open with a with a ball. He's, he's yet to do that, isn't he, in a Stoke shirt and. His time at Plymouth and obviously his time with Wolves as well suggests, you know, we, we fell foul to him, didn't we? In the, the under 21 uh, uh, playoff last season for the, for the matchman for the title or semi finals for, for promotion to whatever uh, before they rejigged all the league. Um, and he was, he scored two. He scored two in that game and one of them was a great volley um, from outside the box and he sort of ran the show. Just ran as ran as ragged, and yeah, there's obviously ability in there. Wolves rate him highly. Um, yeah, there was talk that they wanted was it's up to six million for him in January when we were looking at um, trying to maybe do the deal. And then we decided that was a bit too much, which I'm glad we did that. <laughs> that well, we, we wanted that. to spend a million and a half on him, so we were well priced out. And I mean, there's no way I don't think any Stoke fan would condone a six million pound um, no. fee right now Not at all. No, not of what we've seen. But I, th- I think, in fairness to the guy as well, I mean, we've we've really mixed that midfield around recently. So I think any midfielder, unless you're really experienced, they've you know, liked the Bakers of this world, where they you know they they could just go with it and they can figure the game out. I think he's been unfortunate in the sense that he's been moved around all over the place. I think a few times he's had different partners. So I think if if we do sign him in the summer, um, which you know you'd imagine Schumacher he trusts him, you'd imagine he wants to. Maybe we'll see the best of him next year. And I think the same will go with with Bay, who, again, for me, a lot of running rounds, very little result. So I, I, I think he was always going to be one to settle in this season and probably see the best of him next year. But um, not not really a criticism, Dan, to be honest. It was just more he's lacking in that final result right now. But I'm, again, yeah. I, I, think, I think he will only get better. Yeah, like you said, like I said, before, I think he, he just needs that that moment or that game where he just you know creates creates the chance or takes it like takes that scruff of the neck and wins the match for us, and you go, 
Oh yeah, now I see what the fuss is about. I've heard about it. I've heard about the wolf shirt. I've heard about the plenty shirt. Now I've seen it in a stout shirt. That's what we're missing. Because um, you can you you all hear about players being bigged up down here, whichever. But when you see it yourself in your own club, that's when you get on board with it. So yeah, for me, he, he, is, he needs that that moment to happen yet. Um, it's interesting yeah. as well. I mean, we're talking about obviously Baker come back into the midfield today. Well, last you know last night for. Yeah, what was a very important crunch game, and then obviously brought Jostler around and Ben Pierce and experienced players. Now, if you think in recent weeks, we've been playing with Berger, 22, Kondal, who's 21, I believe, and um, obviously Bajon Ho, 20. So, an average, you know, the average age of midfield is 21. And as good as, you know, as good as, good as those players are, and we've just talked about Kondal, we all talk, you know, we're all well aware of the the strengths and the abilities of Walter Berger, and we all are really enthused, I think, by the uh, promise and the improvements in Beijing Ho. Um, do we need to maybe look at something like that and think, especially where we've been in the league, are we leaving ourselves too inexperienced in such a vital area in the midfield? Um, I think there's definitely an element of that. I think there's going to be games where we do need a Ben Pearson-like person in there who will just shut things down um i think we're going to lose him in the summer because i think he's going to want to get first team football and i'm not sure that schumacher is going to be there to actually offer it him if i'm honest with you so i do agree i think there's there's good having youth there's good having you know some attacking players flair players but i still think you do need that experience in that if we use the word earlier that grit um in there even if it is just giving you an option in those types of games so yeah i still think there is an element that you can go too young you can go too inexperienced um no i think you we've got to find that mix and i know we tried to deal with that uh with with the signings overall we tried to get people in that 26 to to 30 ish range didn't quite work out exactly how we wanted it i don't think but yeah, I, I definitely think there's an element of that, Dan, 100%. How do you feel about the striker situation? Because obviously Campbell's not played the next last two games. And actually, I saw there was reports at the last game of Blackburn, weren't they, that when the final sub was made with 15 minutes together, was, um, people said that Campbell and Pearson walked off down the tunnel. Yes. Obviously, people who were there said, well, actually, at the final whistle, Campbell was at the, on the touchline, got up off the bench and was walking around. So that's, if he didn't go down, he came straight back out. Um, but yeah, maybe just people seeing and just putting names to, to figures. Could have even have been players who just come off, couldn't it, as well. But he obviously wasn't used to Blackburn. He had his time at Leicester, didn't he? He didn't really you know, have a great game against them, but nobody did. Blackburn, he was an unused sub. Unused sub last night. Sounds like, you know, the manager's not really, especially in you know, a game against Blackburn when we were chasing it and that. Wesley has been used in both matches. So is he now above him in the pecking order? And Ryan Mai obviously played for the under-21s last week. Training still, this is his third week away from the first team. He's second week back in training, but with the under-21s. Would you... How long do you think he needs to be out of that first team setup and proving himself to be putting the effort in and trying and doing backing up the words that he said he was going to do? 
before you start integrating him back into training in the first team squad? I th- it wouldn't surprise me if he's there on Saturday. Wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I still, if if they have made up in the nature that they claim they've or making up, you know, he's trying to make amends or whatever you want to call it. I I still think that it will be either this Saturday or come the next game, which I think is Cardiff away from Abraley after that. Um, then I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the fold there because yeah, Luke. I mean Tyrese. I think you're right. I think he's he's seen the likes of Wesley get ahead of him. That says everything he needs to know. And, you know, let, let's be honest as well. If he was staying, he would have already signed a new contract, I think. I know that if you still disagree with that, but I still think he would have signed a new deal. I, so I think he's off. I th- There was a post, wasn't there, on Instagram from Jordan Thompson last week. And obviously Jordan Thompson, Jordan Thompson has Rangers connections. Um, and it was like a picture of him and Tyrese and then sort of the handshakes emoji with the blue heart and you just I just thought mm, that's interesting like it sounds yeah. it sounds either the deal might not be done but they might sort of might be close to being done and it's if you've probably got something and, there is, yeah there's been interest from Rangers previously with him hasn't there they've wanted him for a long time and let's be honest if he's he's been at Stoke seven years he's seen us drop from a mid-table Premier League side to a bottom third championship side and whether people think he's part of the problem and the reason for that or not when his contract comes up at 23-24 if he's got you know a massive European side in there you know guaranteed European football every every season guaranteed title challenge you would say top two in the Scottish League if they're coming in for him he's seen other Stoke players you know there's plenty of people he knows up there aren't there after <laughs> Off the Rangers squad, he's played for Stoke, it feels like. Um, you know, Matondo, Seema, Butland, um, just to name just a few. And it's, you know, he, he could go up there and I don't think you could begrudge him that, could you? If you looked at it from a level plane, like, without your Stoke-tinted glasses on. Oh, no, not, not at all, man. I think it, it's it's best for him anyway. You're right, he's, you know, he's 24 years old. He's clearly working his way down the pecking order. Um, you know, he's going to be on a decent wage as well. You know, for all we know, if Schumacher doesn't fancy him, he sees an opportunity to maybe get someone in of a similar nature. Uh, I think, you know, he'd probably say that Ennis would even do more running around than maybe Tyrese would. So he can put, he could probably see Ennis as someone he could move around that front three uh, line. So I, I think we do have options. And I think for Tyrese, Luke, he's, he's not been the same Tyrese that we have seen in, in patches Um so I think it's best for him that that he goes. And if Rangers themselves, you know, they wanted to pay a lot of money for him in the past. So if they can get him on a free, I mean, that's a no-brainer for them. It's a no-brainer for him. Gets himself a decent wage because he's a free as well. So I think it's probably just one of them moments where we shake hands and say, Luke, thanks for your efforts. Whether you think they could have been good enough or not is irrelevant. No, thanks for your efforts. And um all the best and I think that's what we that's what we have to do uh, really for, for me and we have to move on he's, he's clearly not staying so for me Dan I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't make you know the bench at some point I think if Ryan comes back you've got Ennis I I mean how many strikers do you need on the bench you know we've got Haksabanovic we've got Manhoof there's only so many attacking that players you're going to pull yeah, Vidigal didn't even make the bench. Even Vidigal didn't make the bench, exactly. So I think at that point, that's where you might see, or we may have seen some of the last of Tyrese Campbell, potentially. So, um, 
yeah, anyway, anyway, we, we digress. But yeah, look, for me, I think good overall, um, not amazing. We had less position. We had more shots on target for once, actually. We had five shots on target. So um, certainly an improvement on, on that point. And I guess the answer, or sorry, the, the question to you, Dan, do you think that three points keeps gives us more likely to be safe? Or I'm not going to say it makes us safe because there's too many games to go, but that three points probably can't be underestimated, I don't think. I think that keeps it in our hands, would you say? Yeah, it's massive. You've got you've got a first home win since the 21st of October, a first home win for a new manager. You've got a clean sheet as well after so many goals conceded recently. It ends four consecutive defeats. And, if, and with the Huddersfield beating Sunderland, it keeps us out of the relegation zone. We've now got a six-point gap. In Millwood, I think at QPR... If the, they've got an easier game, I believe, at the weekend. They might have Sheffield Wednesday. QPR are away at Bristol City and then you know, on Saturday in the next match. Uh, and then they've got Rotherham at home. So, I mean, these games do then get more difficult for them. They've got Leicester, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Sunderland. Um, so, really, they'll be looking. I mean, we're six points ahead of them. If they don't get two wins from Bristol City away, cute rather at home, I can't see them catching up where we currently are against Leicester, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Sundund. Then we're six games down the line at that point. And that's, yeah. with, you know, that's not taking into account what we're going to pick up over the next six games. I just think if we'd have lost, we'd have been in the relegation zone, still no home win. Conceding more goals, it would have been awful. The year the heads, they were so low, and I think it would have just compounded all that and made it even more of a, of a mess situation. Right now, they, they'll be they'll bounce into training today. Well, they will. They might have to drag themselves because I reckon there's some weary bodies because they did put the bodies on the line. They they ran. There was a load of effort. Like we said at the start, they answered a lot of questions about. Uh, how much they want it and how bothered they are by it all, how much effort they all want to put in. Um, and, you know, they, they did that last night. So now they've got that belief as well. They know they can fight. They might not have believed it before. They might, they might have believed in the same with the fans, thinking, actually, I'm not, not sure we can do this. You know, when they're looking around at their the teammates, thinking, I'm not sure we're up for a fight here. But now they know they are. Now they know they can do that. Now when, when the backs are against the wall with 10, 15 minutes going, they're hanging on to a lead. They'll know they've got something to re- remember. You know, they, they've done it previously. They've got that, they'll have that belief. They'll also be a lot more relaxed because there's that gap. You know, the, yeah. the games aren't, the, the games are still massively important until we get probably another, what, 10, 15 points. But you're going to find it a lot easier to get them when they're not, like I say, everything's not feeling like the pressure cooker situation they were involved in before. Yeah, 100%. I think that's just it. It keeps it in our hands. We know we're going to probably lose a lot more games between now and Huddersfield, but I just think, like you said, it we can just maybe grind out the odd point here, the odd point there, and if the likes of the performance against QPR is... Oh, well, how QPR were, if that's how they are, and I'm not sure about Huddersfield, they seem to have a little bit more about them, but if that's how those teams down there are, and Millwall are on the massive slide, then I just think we'll have enough to get out of it. And I, I use the words on Radio Stoke, 
by the skin of our teeth. I don't think we will be racing away from that mark uh, at all. Oh, but well, racing away from the relegation zone rather. But we'll we'll have enough enough personalities just about to get ourselves through and over to Shimmy in the summer. Um, but anyway, Dan, uh, let's move on because uh, we need to close this off. So, uh, man of the match, I'm going to ask you before you give us the results. Who was your man of the match uh, from yesterday? It seems a bit daft to say, like, well, not daft, sorry. It seems a bit um, easy to just say Berger yet again. I think he maybe did have the best performance. He scored the winning goal. He's just a ridiculous talent. But I would say for improving the side coming in, I'll give it to Lewis Baker just for a change. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Uh, I don't think I've ever done this before. Michael Rose. I think Rose gets nice. it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he just he just really he just really impressed me last night, and um, hopefully that continues because whether McNally is I thought McNally was still ropey, but yeah, Michael Rose, um, hundred percent gets it for me. But yeah, easily Berger or Baker as well, mate. So I don't dis- necessarily disagree at all. Um, what do the actual poll results say? So the actual poll results said that Walter Berger does pick up yet another <laughs> man of the match. Um, so yeah, he got over fifty percent of the vote to uh, yeah just get himself another man of the match award. McNally was the centre back actually that picked up a few a few votes, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got nine. Uh, Michael Rose only got the one, so you know you should get yourself on there. Wow. And vote for him. Um, I think that is my. That, I, I did vote for Rose, so that's that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, second place uh, was Ennis actually with 14% of the vote and Baker was third with 11%. Uh, I think, you know, 1 to 11, Thompson was really ropey in the first half. He was half time. He was the only one that I thought, you know, you need to pick it up a bit here. Um, but after that, he did in the second half. And I thought, you know what? I, there, isn't, there isn't one in there you would say you had a bad game come full time. No, no, I agree with you. Uh, we have got some audio from Ben at QPR. So, shall we uh, have a listen to that to round it off? Hello, uh, Ben here from the W12 podcast. Uh, QPR fan. Um, gave you a little preview of the match before the game. So, just giving you a bit of a post match view. Um, I've had to give myself a day uh, uh, to calm down a little bit because. Um, it's just frustrating being a QPR fan. But anyway, just a quick reflection on the game. I thought, um, I mean, it was our, as much as yours, your, your, yours as well, it was our biggest game of the season so far. And we've had quite a lot of six-pointers um, and we haven't turned up. And um, yeah, it's just no different really for us. Um, I, I thought we started well in the first four or five, ten minutes. Um, we had a couple of chances. Um, and... We're just terrible at set pieces. Um, I think we've we've conceded fourteen now. I think the record's eighteen, so we're, we're going to go close to that this season. Um, you know, good header, header, and good finish from Berger, um, who I thought was excellent, by the way. Um, probably the difference on the on the day actually between the two teams. I thought he was really really good. Um, and when he went off, I thought possibly that you know we we could step it step it up a bit and try and get you through midfield, but 
we were just really poor. Um, didn't really do anything. A bit huffed and puffed a little bit, um, which was frustrating. Um, yeah, look from a, from my views on Stoke, whether you, yeah, I thought you were kind of there for the taking a little bit. Um, especially in the first sort of 30, 35 minutes. I thought if we could get a goal here, I thought the crowd would turn and, and, and you know, and I thought that we would go on and win. Um, but you got your goal and, and, you, and you sat quite deep and, 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 and I think you had a solid five at the back after the goal um, and made it difficult for us. And, you know, we had balls in the box, but, you know, three big centre arse, it was always going to be a big ask. We just couldn't find that final ball. Um which was which was frustrating, um, but I think you know you just wanted to win. I think that was more important for you than anything was just to get that those three points and get yourself a bit clearer of the relegation zone. Which I don't blame you. Is exactly what we wanted to do. I would have took a one 0 win <laughs> any day, um, <clears throat> but I think probably that'll be okay for you now. You're, you sh- you should be able to go on a bit of a run. I think we're in huge trouble. Um, a tough game away at Bristol City next, and then a big game with. Uh, at Rotherham at home um, but I thought uh, just quickly to end yeah I thought Berger was was a cut above everyone else on, on the pitch um, I quite liked I thought Thompson had a really good game uh, left back for you um, Smith for us is nippy and quick and Sinclair's quick and I thought he I don't think that's his normal position is it? I thought yeah, I thought he was really good for you guys and I actually quite liked the, um, the guy up front that you got from Blackburn Ennis is it I, I he was a bit more physical and a bit, put a lot of energy, and and, and I thought he, yeah, I thought he was better than I can remember him being. Um, I'm not sure if up striker is is where he played or whether it was sort of on the wing, but I thought I thought he was quite effective. Um, yeah, and I thought you defended quite well considering um, what I heard before the game about your defending. But I think that's just as much about how poor we were or are. Um, Sinclair was quite isolated up there up top I thought he did quite well but just no one around him within 10-15 yards um, which was frustrating but um, yeah good luck for the season and, um, and if, I'm, if we're in the same league next season I'm sure I'll be around to uh, to give a uh, a, uh, a match analysis next season cheers bye cheers for that Ben Right, so I think it's time we get into the news. Uh, yeah, it seems pretty brief, the news. There's not much coming about this week. Um, obviously, we mentioned all the uh, last week's games and that in the early pod earlier this week. But yeah, the under-18s, they haven't got a game this weekend, just a reminder on that. Uh, the women don't have a game scheduled this weekend. The under-21s do, though. They're at home to Brighton. Match being played at Clayton Wood, 2pm kickoff on Monday. So Monday the 19th. That's the under-21s next fixture. Might even have a Ryan May in there, might it? Uh, yeah, news-wise. So, obviously, with the last week, we recorded before the uh, the fans forum, if you like, with Ricky Martin, Steve Schumacher and John Coates. So we didn't really cover that. So just, just a few things um, that you may have missed. I mean, there's a few headline acts, but I'm sure you've I'm sure you've read all the main headlines. These are little things that I saw underneath that you maybe haven't seen. 
there was disappointment at the current position was given. Uh, the goalkeeper situation will be addressed in the summer, but it will allow a pathway for Tommy Simkin to eventually get to the first team. They're not going to do it so it blocks his career progression. Uh, training camp is being sorted and pre-season friendlies are being finalised. So they will be going away this summer. The under-first team and the under-21s, it's something they did last summer where they all went away together. Stephen Schumacher likes the idea, thinks it's a great thing. They will be doing it again this summer. Um, the first team, they said it will be a lot less hectic transfer-wise this summer. There will be no 18 to 20 signings coming through the door. That was a real one-off. They're looking to build on the squad, you know, maybe get rid of a few, bring a few in and, you know, manoeuvre that. But it won't be a massive overhaul like last summer. Uh, obviously, the stuff about Ryan Mai was mentioned. It's not available as it stands. Uh, he said, we had a week at home and now he's just completing his second week with the under-21s. And obviously, he did play that under under 21 fixture against Liverpool last week. Uh, so, yeah, there's a few little things that I maybe haven't been pointed out so much. Obviously, the Ryan Meyer one has, but other stuff may have gone under the radar a bit. Um, yeah, other than that, there's not really much to report news-wise. We've been a busy week fretting over losing to QPR, haven't we? <laughs> it didn't happen, thankfully. So, yeah, let's uh, now move into this weekend's game against Coventry. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Coventry, we've played them on 71 occasions. We have 30 victories, 11 draws and 30 defeats. At home, we've played them 35 times with 19 victories, 4 draws and just the 12 losses. However, we have no home win since 2006 against Coventry and we've won just one of the last eight games home and away since 2018. But what a glorious victory it was at the Rico last season or whatever it's called, the CBS Arena. Well, I don't know, whatever it's called these days. It'll forever be the Rico to me. Um, we are... It, we have played them in February, though, four times in the league previously. Three wins and a draw. So we are unbeaten in four February league games against Coventry. If that doesn't give you confidence, I don't know what will. Um, Stephen Schumacher's record against Coventry and against Mark Robbins is just the one singular game, which was Coventry 1, Plymouth 0 in November of last year. So just a few months ago. Whilst Robbins has faced Stoke now on nine occasions. He has been victorious four times. The Potters have been victorious twice and there's three matches ended in a stalemate. Uh, the two losses versus Stoke was a 1-0 Carling Cup tie when he was manager of Rotherham in 2008 and the other being the 4-0 win that we just mentioned in April 2023. Uh, he's got seven points from a possible nine 
from his league visits to the 365. So, yes, that's bringing us back down to earth a little bit there, isn't it? Uh, Stokes' home form, 19 points, puts them 20th in the home table. And both teams have scored in only two of our last 10 home games. We haven't seen many goals, have we? (laughs) Um, Last five matches, Stoke have three points, which were the three picked up against QPR on Wednesday night. Puts us 21st in the form table. Uh, But seeing as those three were all coming our most recent game, I suppose the only way is up from there, isn't it, over the next four matches? Uh, Coventry's away form they've also collected 19 points from all their games on their travels which puts them 10th in the away table the only win uh, the only loss in their last 16 matches was a 2-1 defeat away at Norwich uh, but they had 10 men for the last 20 minutes which was when they conceded that goal so yeah they are bang in form However, you would potentially think they would be higher up in this table. So the last five matches, form-wise, eight points, and they are 12th in the form table. So, both these sides have been awarded three penalties a season, and both have scored just one. They're now, Coventry have joined us this week, they're now the only, we're the only two sides to have missed more penalties than we've taken. And obviously, we've been awarded more than one as well. Uh, only Sheffield Wednesday have failed to score more than Stokes 13 times a season, while only three sides have failed to score less than Coventry's five. Only five sides have kept more clean sheets than both Stoke and Coventry, who were both on nine clean sheets for the season. So, yeah, if it was on clean sheets, we'd actually be in the playoffs. Which, when you think of our defence and the worry we've had over them, it's crazy, really, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, both Stoke with 198 and Coventry with 214 are in the top five in the league for corners won. So maybe expect a lot of corners in the match on Saturday. Uh, now, this is an interesting one and maybe something that Stoke need to pick up on. Coventry have scored a massive 17 goals this season from second shots. So things like rebounds where the keeper saved it, it's come back out and someone's tapped it in, or a shot that's been blocked, fell to someone else and put it in. That is more than double anyone else in the league bar Ipswich. Ipswich are on 11. Everyone else has got... The Coventry got more than double everybody else. This says to me they always follow up on shots. So they've always got somebody following up for any rebounds or any spillages. So the keeper's going to have to have good hands on Saturday. And if he does save and he can't hold it, he's going to have to push it into a safe area, you know, get it good wide uh, places. If we block, we're going to have to be making sure that we are following in on shots as well and alert to any sort of, like, say, any rebounds or any balls bobbling about. Uh Errors. Now, errors don't seem to lead to shots in Stoke games. So we have the least shots from defensive errors. Only two. Only twice all season as a defender made a mistake and we've capitalised on it to have a shot. Not even a goal, just a shot. Just twice. But we also have conceded the least amount of shots from defensive errors. Only four. So those numbers as well are quite a way away from the rest of the league. So it seems like our defence don't create or don't give the opposition the chance to shoot from errors very often, but we don't capitalise when defenders make errors or we don't force defenders to make errors, maybe. Anyway, Stoke have used a league-high 35 players this season. Coventry have used a league-low 24. Will that cut will you busy periods, three game weeks, will that start to show in legs on Saturday? Who knows? Coventry have a league high four own goals in their favour this season, but have yet to score one themselves. 
that rounds off your stats. Now into the referee. So James Bell. Now you might remember him. He was the referee on against Ipswich on New Year's Day. He wasn't the referee, though, who sent off Jordan Thompson. He was the guy who took the whistle for the first minute. He got injured, didn't he, in the first half. Um, 17 games he's ref this season, 69 yellows, three red cards, two penalties, 12 home wins, two draws, and just the three away victories. He's refed out four times, given us uh, 13 yellows, no reds, no penalties, one win, one draw, two defeats. Uh, he's refed us three times this season, all about 365 Stadium, the win against Watford, the draw against Ipswich, and the loss against Southampton. The, that free kick that Southampton scored is the only goal we've conceded with him refing. That's interesting, isn't it? So the only goal we conceded in the three this season uh, was that sort of dodgy, I think is it fair to call it a dodgy? I think it's fair to call it a dodgy free kick. Um, Coventry, he's only ref them the once, he gave them one yellow, no reds, there was no penalties, and it was a nil-nil draw away at Bristol City in October 2022. Yes. Uh, so yeah, on this day, a uh, nice positive one, Simon Sturridge scored the only goal against his former club Birmingham, as Stoke went up to third in Division 1, so what is now the Championship, uh, but back then it was the, I think it was Ainsley, Ainsley Division 1. It was the highest position we'd been in since relegation from the top flight in 1985, some 10 years previous. So yeah, here's your stats, your F stats on this day. Now let's listen to Graham McGarry and also our friends from Coventry. Hello there once again, you fellow Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry checking in ahead of the home game coming up at the weekend against Coventry City, where you must be feeling more at ease after that fine three points come your way on Wednesday. It's been a long time in coming and it will bring a bit of relief to everybody connected to Stoke City. Well, they've got to try and build on that particular three points. It was a tense, nervy night and I'm not expecting it to be any different this Saturday afternoon. They take on a Coventry City side and once again, under the very shrewd managementship of Mark Robbins, they came back twice in the midweek game down at Plymouth to bring back a point to the Rico Arena. But Stoke will hope that those home fans can get behind them once again and hopefully get some more points on the board as they try to move quickly away from the bottom three places in the Championship. It's still tight, it's still difficult, but it's, it's a sign that it could just be turning especially after the win on Wednesday night. Can they make it two wins on the trot? I don't quite think so. They'll have to settle for a low-scoring draw. Stoke 1, Coventry City 1. Hi, my name's Glenn. I'm part of the All Things Sky Blue podcast. You can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok and all podcast platforms and we do a match preview show that will be out on thursday afternoon previewing the game and also we do a space on twitter on sundays with our match reviews and match previews on the week week's games so i've been asked to give my thoughts on the stoke city game um it's a bit weird to know what to expect from stoke at the moment obviously um before the win against QPR last night, um, as I'm speaking to you on Thursday, um, it seemed a bit of an unhappy camp. Um, this state seemed a bit of a mess with 
players wanting to leave and players misbehaving in, in training, etc. Um, so it makes it quite interesting. Uh, recently, Stoke have um, been quite a happy hunting ground for Cov, and we've done quite well against uh, the, the Potters. Um, ironically, the last time that Cov failed to score was the game at the CBS against Stoke. We've scored in the 19 games since, um, but the clean sheets have, dry, have dried up. I would probably say we're a bit like Middlesbrough were last season. We've got plenty of goals. Our attacking talent with Sakamoto, O'Hare, Palmer, Hadji Wright, Ellis Sims and Matty Godden is up there probably with some of the best attackers in the league. Um, Unfortunately, we are leaking goals quite often at the moment. So, um, on a positive, if we go 1-0 down, we're never out of the games because we've got the capability to score at least two goals um, but I'm not sure whether long term we can keep that up so um, I think if Stoke are to get a result against us probably going to have to score two goals uh, and Stoke's obviously record especially at home in terms of scoring goals isn't very prolific um, it'll be interesting to see we rested a few people on Wednesday against Plymouth obviously we got a last minute goal in Robin's time to get a 2-2 draw um, Callum O'Hare was rested from the squad completely there is a slight question mark whether he'll be back on Saturday for the game at Stoke I would be very surprised if he isn't he makes a huge difference for us he's actually turned into the player that we all hoped he would um, the sad thing is that he's out of contract in the summer and we're likely to lose him on a free but his one criticism was his end product in terms of his finishing and he's come back from his ACL injury and his finishing has been superb. Uh, he's not as wasteful as he has been and he's been a standout performer in some key wins for us. Most notably the, the win against Leicester City when we were 1-0 down and two cracking finishes from O'Hare basically um, helped us win the game 3-1. Uh, so in terms of other changes... Uh, I don't think we'll probably make massive changes. Uh, there might be a change at left back. We might switch Jake Bidwell for Jay De Silva. I would imagine Hadji Wright will come in and start left wing. Ellis Sims, as he scored, I think has got a start ahead of Matty Godden. And then I would imagine there might be a change in midfield, possibly with Joel Latibodier switching to right back to give Milan Van Erwig a rest He's look, he looked a bit leggy on Wednesday's game and probably Josh Eccles comes into midfield alongside Victor Torp in terms of the Cov players to watch out for Victor Torp has been an absolute standout performer for us uh, we picked him up from Norwegian football he, he's Danish uh, he's um, came out of the blue we paid a couple of million pounds for him he's, he's really good on the ball he can um, strike a ball cleanly he's got an eye for a pass he's good defensively he's made a couple of great recovery tackles and he's our set piece specialist so he's one to watch out for and definitely if the ball's 30 yards 25 yards out he can definitely ping ping a shot in a show scored on his debut when he scored an absolute worldie against uh, Sheffield Wednesday so yeah that would be the other ones and uh, the main player I think he's been standout for us recently along with Callum O'Hare in terms of the Stoke City players that I'll be worried about um, Wout Berger has obviously been a standout performer for you guys in the games I've seen he obviously went off um, I believe injured on Wednesday night so that would be a massive loss for you guys I'd be interested to see how Torp and 
Josh Eccles shape up against your midfield because obviously you've got quite a few good midfielders. Obviously, Daniel Johnson's quite an experienced championship midfielder. Obviously, also you've got Josh Lauren and Lewis Baker, so that'll be an interesting battle. I think, obviously, the two players that will stand out will be Michael Rose and Luke McNally. Obviously, they're ex-Coventry City. McNally was quite heavily wanted by us in the summer and we missed out on him obviously went and got Bobby Thomas and Liam Kitchen and McNally seems not to have kicked on uh, to the levels that he was at Cov Michael Rose great player for us in in the Covid uh, champions season where we got promoted from League One um, but just very injury prone, constructing a running results, running games together, and he fell, actually dropped out because of a few bad results we had where we leaked goals where he was playing, and he was the most experienced pro. But no, he's. Um, it'll just be typical if he pops up with a goal on uh, Saturday, Michael Rose, because he was always a threat off um, set pieces. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle Ellis Sims and Hadji Wright, as I think the physical pacey strikers were always the ones that tended to cause McNally a bit of trouble and um, I look back to the player final where obviously Adebayo and Morris caused him quite a few problems so that'll be interesting uh, and I think the other weakness that Cov may exploit is obviously we've got Sakamoto um, out wide uh, Stoke don't really have a recognised fit left back at the moment I think that's somewhere we could exploit uh, the other players that I, I do like at Stoke uh, I've always liked Tyrese Campbell um, but I don't think he'll start. And um, I think Daniel Everson's a, a very competent championship goalkeeper. Um, so I'm surprised given the amount of goals that you guys have been leaking recently. Um, I think there'll be goals and it wouldn't surprise me. It could possibly be another 2-2. Um, but realistically, Cov need the win. So I'm going to go 3-1 Cov. Thanks for that, Graham. And also thank you to Glenn and the guys at Coventry. So, big game, Mike. In respect of, we do still need points, don't we, to guarantee survival and keep that buffer, um, you know, a healthy one, if you like. Um, just that we aren't directly in the firing line this week now, are we? <laughs> No, exactly that, mate. We're not. We're, we're not on the firing line. I, I, I'm still sticking to what I kind of said before. Like Coventry, a good team. They're 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 winning well at the minute, home and away. I think with our home form, despite the fact that you know, yes, we beat obviously QPR. I still think the home form is still obviously a big concern, and it's going to continue to be for the rest of the season. You know, we're, we're not going to find a magic formula out, out of nothing. Um, so yeah, look, I. I'm going to stick with what I said the other day. I think we will lose this one. I still think it'd be more spirited than maybe we've seen in previous weeks. Um, so yeah, it's it's not it's not going to it's not going to be easy, Dan. But at least, like you've said, we're not going into this having lost to Blackburn, lost to QPR, and now absolutely desperate against one of the better teams in the division. So it's going to be a very very tough game. They they know where the net is. They don't concede many goals. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be extremely challenging. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, they've got, like, Hadji Wright up front, haven't they? And I was looking at his stats earlier on, and, and he misses a lot of chances. 
but he gets himself in the position to finish a lot. So I think he's, he's got a decent amount of goals and he's their top scorer, top assists. But I think XG per 90 minutes, so if you like, the amount of goals he should have for every 90 minutes he's on the pitch is, is the highest out of any player in the league. So wow. you think when you think about like the chances he's getting himself into, the positions he's getting himself into, and the chances they're creating for him, he is or should be banging the goals in more than any player in the league. I think he's had a couple of injuries which have maybe damn, you know, knocked his, his overall figure down. And like I say, he gets the positions. I'm not quite sure finishing is his best attribute. But the defence are going to have their hands full by the sounds of that, aren't they? They've got a player there who knows how to get himself in those positions. And also, sorry, just before you come in, uh, he did get two goals last weekend, didn't he? He scored twice in three minutes. I know one was a penalty. Um, but yeah, he's still the 92 in that game against Millwall on his head. Yeah, it's hard to add an awful lot onto what you've kind of said, really. I suppose what we're going to have to do well to really stop Coventry this week, I think we're going to have to do what we actually did in, in similar capacity with, with QPR. I think we've got to keep it compact. You know, we've got to be able to close down quickly. You know, don't leave any gaps. Don't be so don't be stupid and naive in you know, in fullback positions. I think Thompson needs to be a little bit deeper, like like you know, we saw probably second half against QPR. We we can't leave those gaps open. You know, they've they've got some pace, they've got some quality that, that can definitely hurt you. So if it means that we have to play a bit more of a defensive game and hit on the break, I know we don't really want to do that as the home team, but again, a bit like Leicester, you can't just come out and start attacking teams and expecting to, you know, outscore them because we know we have not got the quality to do that. So I think we need to hold firm, not not necessarily saying two banks are four. We don't need to be that defensive, but no risks no gaps in the fallback positions. McNally and Rose, for me, can can hold their own in the centre. I think they will be able to to battle off most strikers in this division and just keep it tight. You know, even if it means bringing in the likes of, I don't know, like say Baker, I think needs to start again and, and just have him in that position that we saw him in the other night. Like you know, just having that solidity. You sit in front of that defence. You know, try and break up play. Let Berger. Um, you know, do do his job, and for me, I think we drop Kundal. I think by dropping Kundal, we probably bring in probably Josh Laurent. Uh, I think is maybe another one that might be worth uh, thinking about, even potentially Pearson. I don't think he fancies Pearson, which is why I don't think he would do that. But I'm all for letting Berger be our creative man and Baker and you know Laurent just be the workhorses in the midfield. Yeah, I think you bang on there. I think you've got to... Coventry seem to be playing this season with a lot more... With the ball on the floor a lot more, if you like. Without being disrespectful to how they played before, I think they've been they've always been a little bit direct under Robbins. And I think, obviously, the the, the fact that they could sell um, Jokeres in the summer and um, Hamer, they, they've been able to bring in a lot of players like Hadji Wright... Um, but you know, people like that who who can play a bit, and also of course you, Callum O'Hare. Now Callum O'Hare has just come back from a serious injury. He's out of contract in the summer. 
and he is for me one of the most gifted playmakers in this league. And I think he's come and he's sort of hit the ground running coming back from a long term injury, which is you know, quite impressive to be to be honest. Uh, but I think now he's just sort of firing again, and he he's looking to be in the Premier League next year, whether that's with or without Coventry. Uh, I know I, I'm pretty sure, and say unless I've missed it, I'm sure he hasn't signed a new contract at Coventry, and I'm sure he's well got his sights on um, on like say a big move in the summer if Coventry don't go up. So he's playing. He's playing both for the team and for his own future. And I think Coventry are benefiting from having a player like, you know, a player as talented as that, who is basically excelling, knowing that this is his chance to to put himself in the shot window, if you like. And if in the process he gets Coventry promoted, then he probably ends up staying there as well anyway. (laughs) They're signing an extension at Coventry. But he's definitely, like, say, if you bring somebody like Pearson in and just to do a bit of a number on her hair, just to, you know, track him around and invest he can, maybe not man-to-man in the extreme like you see some players do, but definitely, you know, to keep an half an eye on him at all costs, at all times, I think that might be the safer the way to go because I don't see there being many goals in this game at all. Yeah, this is Stoke, let's be honest. They have very rarely as many goals, especially in the home games. So we can't switch off and let, you know, her, you know, put something to do for right, for example, or, you know, even stick the ball in the net himself. We've got to be honest at all times defensively to get something from this match. Yeah, I agree, which actually is why I would probably... I'm not, I wouldn't say we'd switch it up too much, Dan. Like I mentioned, obviously, the midfield. I, I would very much be tempted to put Junior back at right-back, if I'm honest with you. I, I don't think we can really have Kiana's and I, I think Kiana's lack of defensive stability and, and, and awareness for me. So I think I'd put Junior back on, on the right uh, of the defence. I would actually drop Bay and bring in uh, Manhoof, I think. He's going to make changes. He's going to make at least a couple so I think those are the two main ones that I would I would have in the team. Ennis, I think, will keep his place. Um, who you would play in, you know, Junior's position from, from obviously QPR, it could be, again, another bit of a workhorse. It could be Larice down that right-hand side just because he will run, he will track back. I don't think he, he's been very hot and cold, Larice. I'm not a massive fan of his, but I do see the value that he could add on that right-hand side. Tyrese, I don't think, is the right, not the right position for him right now. He's, as we talked about earlier, he's, he's probably not in the right frame of mind. You know, you could have, you could even keep, you know, Bay on the left and uh, and put Manuf on the right. You know, I think he can play on either side. So we've got options. So I'm expecting around three changes. I don't think it's going to be wholesale changes at all. No, I know Schumacher does like to ring the changes, doesn't he? I mean, we were, you know, we were told that when he joined that, you know, he's a manager who, I think does more changes than any other in the division, I think was what we were told by Aaron and the guys at Plymouth um, at Argyle Live. But yeah, I can't see there being many. I mean, obviously we've got three game weeks, so whether he puts legs in for that. I've I've picked my team without Berger in it, just because obviously the easy thing is to put him in there because he's definitely going to play into it. But if, if he is that he's not fit and he doesn't make it, this is the team I'm going with. Obviously, if he is, if he is there, then he will be definitely coming into that midfield. 
<laughs> um, do you want to go with your teammate first? Yep, sure. So just to summarise then, uh, we're going to go, obviously, Iverson. We're going to have uh, Junior, McNally, Rose, Thompson. Uh, the three in the midfield, I'm going to include him. So Berger, Baker and Pearson. And then on the front three is Larice Ennis. <sighs> Larice Ennis and Bay. I, I know I kind of mentioned about Manhoof, but maybe not quite yet. Maybe that's one of the, the impact players off the bench. So, yeah, I'll go with that. I wonder whether Manhoof didn't come on at all on Wednesday with a bit of rotation and, and freshness in mind. Like, okay, yeah, maybe picked his attackers for Wednesday and then he's thinking, okay, I'm now making sure that I've got at least one set of fresh legs in the front line in the next match. So I think out of all positions, it's, it's issue attackers that feel it even more into it because obviously if they are the ones who are lacking a bit of sharpness, a bit of freshness, that's where it's most difficult to influence the game. I think maybe because defenders don't don't necessarily have that burst needed as often as forwards. Um, you can sort of get away with it a bit more. Um, but I'm, I've am i gone similar to you uh, in that I've got Everson in goal. I've actually gone with uh, Hoover, McNally and Rose as a back three. Junior at right wing back, Thompson at left wing back. So I'm thinking that maybe when we've got the ball... Everyone can sort of shift into a back four then, and either wing back can really bomb on and help the, the other forward out. Uh, I've got Pearson holding, and then I've got Loren and Baker. Uh, so, very experienced centre midfield for me. And I've got any, and I think I said this last week, but I'm going to sort of go with it again. So, any sort of front and Manhoff just um, sort of like, you know, a bit of a free roll buzzing either side. And like I say, when we get the ball, uh, the three can become a four and one of the wing-backs can really bomb on and then help out uh, Monoff and Ennis up front. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my yeah. thoughts and what, what I would do there. And I think that offers adequate protection as well to the defence with that midfield. Bear in mind, like I say, Coventry um, have got some quite creative midfielders in there. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. As you rightly point out, it could very well have been keeping a bit of fresh legs on there. Um, I think there's a few different ways you can go, which is nice, uh, and that attacking front. I think defensively, you're never changing the back, you know, the, the McNally and Rose partnership now. Uh, I never thought I'd say that, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can't change them to. And I think Thompson, while well, he's got no competition there at the minute, unless, unless he decided to play junior at left wing back and have Kiana on the right, if he didn't want to drop Kiana, I mean, I wouldn't do it. But we've seen that Junior, when he did come in and play on the left-hand side once or twice, he actually didn't look out of place for me. Um, so we've got a few options. But yeah, I think either I think both of us are going to be pretty spot on uh, as far as the defence goes. And as far as prediction goes, Dan, I've got to go a 2-1 Coventry win, unfortunately. Yeah, I can, I can understand why. You know, we're still baby steps and all that, aren't we? We're still we're getting there. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, do you go three? I'm going to go for a one-all draw, which is the prediction I did have before, um, before the, the game as well. So we're both actually sticking with our original predictions <laughs> from before, 
before the uh, victory over over QPR. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I can see it be one all. I don't think there'll be many goals in it. Um, I think we'll we'll be happy with a point. And they may they may just think point just keeps their sort of unbeaten run going a bit. Mentioned in the in the stats there, you know they've they've only had one defeat in the last sixteen matches, and that was when they had ten men for the last twenty minutes, and then conceded right at the end. So, you know they're obviously on a, on a great run. They have had a few draws, and then they may have to settle for another one. And I think if probably if you offered Stephen Schumacher four points from these two home games, he probably would have said, you know what. I'll, I'll take that right now. <laughs> the position that we were in. God, yeah, like mate, I, I'd be delighted with it with a draw, hundred percent. I think I, I think most Stoke fans would going into the weekend. It, it'd just be again an extra little point we're picking up, and it takes us what into Cardiff then, which we don't really have a great, uh, you know, record against Cardiff uh, away from home. But you know, again, they're not amazing. They're okay. We'll, we'll come to that bridge when, you know, when it's time to talk about it. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd say they're another team that are sort of dropping down a bit, not to the extent yeah. of a Millwall or a Swansea, but they have dropped away from the playoff picture. Um, yeah. Just obviously, you know, there is a lot of teams starting around this fight. Just to say that these are the fixtures for the weekend. So QPR, they're obviously the, the one that we are watching. You know, closely start me out of everybody. Uh, they've got Bristol City away, so by no means a gimme. Bristol City, some good recruitment in January, starting to pay off. They you know, they beat Southampton didn't they, in the weekend in their uh, 25 match unbeaten run, which is what a run that was. <laughs> um, Millwall have got Sheffield Wednesday at home, so what a massive game that is. Wow. I'd love to watch that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not a great one for the neutral, realistically, but uh, the, the, for what's on the line there, I mean, Millwall, are, are, they are on a huge slide. I actually haven't seen their, their run of results, but every week it seems like they're losing at the minute. So, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday win that. Millwall fans must be really squeaky bum. Like, basically, like we were uh, yeah. pre then. I think as well. I mean, I might be wrong here, but I think they might have Leicester next week as well, Millwall. So they'll, and that just makes that Sheffield Wednesday game even bigger, doesn't it? Um, Huddersfield are at home to Hull. That's no gimme, is it? Uh, but Huddersfield will be flying after beating Sunderland. So Birmingham have got Sunderland at home. Um, obviously, Tony, oh, Tony Mowbray against his old club. Sunderland will be one Worth noting. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's not Leicester. They're away to Southampton. So it's just That's as odd. It. Yeah. I knew it was, a, I knew it was a, 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 a real tough game they got coming up. But yeah, uh, Birmingham, Sunderland. So that's going to be an easy game. Blackburn are away at Preston. They've come into a bit of form now as well, haven't they? Uh, Ten points in the last five games, I noticed. And Swansea have got Ipswich. So... Oh, Swansea are going to be feeling it. Yeah, you feel for Millwall, that's a massive game, isn't it? Um, and there's not really any of them there that you would... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you wouldn't fancy them to win many games because that's why they're down the bottom of the league. But there's no sort of gimme points there, is there, with any of them? So it, it could be... I mean, this is a championship. It could go completely the other way. Um, but yeah, I can't see more than one or two wins coming out of that lot. To be honest, to be honest, um, well, this could go to the wire. Then. Yeah, could really go to the wire. And guess what? The last game of the uh, season is for Millwall. 
Think away to Swansea. Oh, <laughs> what a game that could be if it carries on this kind of trajectory. It could be yeah. whoever wins, whoever loses that goes up or down. Wow. Oh, um, mm. right. We'll do a. I'll just give you a quick Super Six update. Uh, I restored the ten point advantage over you this week, Mike. I got thirteen. You got ten. Takes me to two eight six in fifty fifth place. You got two seven six and in sixty eighth. Uh, top person this week was actually Adam Byron, who uh, got a, got nineteen points. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> it's not bad. I think anything we did about thirteen and ten, and someone just whacks out a good nineteen. Um, first mm-hmm. overall is Sean Flanagan, three hundred and fifty-three. Nicholas Yates has got three four five. Michael Gadget three four three, making up the top three. Now Gaffer, there's been a big change at Gaffer. Top place now is at Thurgood Joe, one hundred and fifteen points he got this week to two five nine seven overall. Stokers Bay relegated down to second with two five eight four, despite scoring hundred plus points himself. Whilst Mister K, Mister Kadig got one hundred and twelve, taking it to two five five zero. Top scorer for the week was Saul Lauser with one hundred and thirty two, whilst I got eighty six, one seven eight two overall. And this is the big massive news. I'm out of thirty six after what feels like an eternity. I'm up to thirty fifth place. Get in there. Come on. Go on, on. You, you you're on the march now. You're going to head for that number one, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Right, so we mentioned, didn't we? Super Six Challenge, uh, Super Six Challenge, Six Challenge Challenge. We mentioned, didn't we, that um, last when we played QPR, that there was a few players there picking up a load of bookings or like double figures for bookings, and we mentioned that Ben Pearson has on eleven yellow cards. Now, as far as I, as far as I can find the records for, and this goes back to the mid nineties. So that's a little bit of a hint as to how far we're going back with this. Is only six players who've ever got more than 11 yellow cards in a season for Stoke. Can you name me the six players? And I will give you a clue. The one for the longest to go was 2001, 2002. Mm, okay. So any time between now and 2001 slash two, most yellow cards, yeah? Yeah. Who's got the most yellow cards in a season? There's three with 12, one with 13, and two got 14. Okay, this ain't going to be great for me if I'm honest, but whatever. I mean, Ben Pearson, I imagine, must be up there, yeah? He is not. He isn't. This is the most he's got in one season. So he's got 11 this season, but obviously he only joined, he only joined second half of last season, didn't he? So he hasn't, he didn't pick up more than 11 last year either oh I swear I read somewhere that he had 12 okay I'll, I'll trust you mate I'll, I'll trust you um, I swear I was looking up previously about whether he's ever going to get another a red card and I swear I saw that he had 12 on, on year but I will bow to your uh, superior knowledge on that because I'm sure yours is probably he more may, accurate he, he may well have done he just didn't probably just didn't do it for Stoke <laughs> Um, okay, uh, I'm trying to think now who was prolific in say like the Premier League years, yeah. So, just to let you know, Mike, in 2017 18, Ben Pearson got 16 yellows and one red for Preston, 
<laughs> the year <laughs> after, 2018-19, he got 14 yellows and three reds. Jesus. Okay. That is ridiculous. Uh, from start. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay, right. So let me think back. So it's got to be someone's brother. Who used to get loads? Who they used to get a few? Oh, see, so this is my memory is honestly, it's like a save at times, mate. Well, you've got three lives. So if you think of any names, you can always. If you dip into the water with one. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to Glen Wheeling. So go on. I was going to say, I would say five out of the six, you would probably go, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. There's probably one on here where you went, oh, really? Who I looked at and went, oh, really? Uh, but the other five, I was like, not really that surprised at. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, there's gonna be some obvious obvious ones then, is there? Um Yeah, just just name all the people who are around kicking people to be honest. <laughs> okay, I'll go I'll go with Robert Hooth then. Robert Hooth, he is one of the two with fourteen yellows. So fourteen wow. yellows from forty nine games in the two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve season. Okay. How oh man, you didn't play many. Um, I will say he's not the only one from that season, and that uh, that season actually was the most recent one. What, sorry, what what season? Say two thousand and four, two thousand and five, two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve. Oh, eleven and twelve, right? Okay. So that um, was, he's not the only one from that season, but there's not been anyone on this list since that season. So that gives you big clues and narrows it right down for you. I don't think he would have done. Oh, um, how? Imagine, would Shawcross have been in there? Shawcross is the other one from that season. Oh, he right. got 13 yellows from 49. So the two centre halves, 49 games, like 27 yellow cards between them. And we wonder wow. why people used to be scared of facing them. <laughs> Yeah, too right. Okay. So, so yeah, did you say I there's will... no more that recent now? I need to go back before 2011. Is that what you're saying yeah, now? I, I, will, I will really be kind to you and say that all the others, like I say, are this century, but are all from either League One or Championship. Oh. Okay. Okay. So. Championship when we came down. Mm. I'm trying to think who was getting most of them. You'll kick yourself if you don't get the one for the one of them. I probably will. Oh, God's sake. He actually did it twice. <laughs> one before promotion and one after. Um, Fuller. No, not that promotion. Not promotion no. before. 
So once he did it in the League One, then he did it again in the Championship. See, I thought uh, bloody Wilco. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think he ever really played that many games. No, um, he 200 times for Stoke Wilco, but I think he's actually a lot cleaner tackler than people give him credit for. He was very strong in the tackle, but I think he was... He wasn't like... Um, if he went into a tackle, he generally won the ball, I feel. I mean, I don't know if he's in it. probably isn't in this. I, mean, I was trying to think Glenn Whelan, but I don't think he was... No, not Glenn no, Whelan. No, it wouldn't be Whelan. No. I think, think earlier than Whelan. Got one, oh. life, one life left. Oh, I, can't, I can't take any risks now. Um, you got to put... Oh, this is going to really annoy me. It's really going to annoy me. So, bear with me. I'm trying. I'm really just trying to think back through the teams. I mean, James, mind you. Oh no, James McLean won't have any, will he? No, 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 no. no Can't be got eleven one season. No. <laughs> yeah, I remember him getting a few for the stupid decisions. Um. Oh mate, this isn't going to be me. I'm afraid. I am going to kick myself. I am going to kick myself, aren't I? Do you want me to give you the answers? Go on. Go on. Give me the answers. So the one that surprised me, 2007-2008, leading, leading the way, one ahead of Richard Crespel and Ricardo Four, who both got 11. Ooh. 12, 12 yellow cards, 44 games, Liam Lawrence. Liam Luddy Lawrence. A dirty guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. I, I, I remember a couple, but it definitely didn't feel like he was prolific. No. So before that, you have to go to 2003-2004, 12 yellows in just 30 matches. He could have come back as manager a few weeks ago. John Eustace. <laughs> wow. Uh, before that, you have the man who did it twice. So, 2000, 2001, he had 13 yards and 45. I believe he had to go in front of the FA. Um, I think he had a couple in the cup as well. Actually, I think he may have been fifth up to nearly... Um, no, he got 13, but he had to go to the FA and sort of say, you know, I shouldn't be banned because, you know, I'm a midfielder. I make a load of tackles. And this year, and it's not for back chatting or anything like that. And then he got 12 in 47 in 2002 2003 to go with it. James O'Connor. James O'Connor, wow. And the other one, 2001 2002, 14 yards from 42 games on our way to promotion. Wayne Thomas. Uh, Wayne Thomas, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, you're right, mate. Good old nuts in there, isn't there? There is, there is some ones. I mean, hopefully everyone else at home has done better than, than I have there. But, yeah, some interesting names. I think Liam Lawrence being an interesting one. Um, I w- he wouldn't have been top of my tree, but... Uh, OK, well, I think, yeah, I'm back to my normal crappy form. But that's fine, I'll take it. Learn to tackle from, like, off his dog, probably, by the sounds of it. Yeah, probably. His dog was foul play, tripping him up. Yeah, yeah. well... Well, let's hope that the um, the ref keeps his cards in his pockets for the state players on Saturday. And we don't have anyone getting closer to being added on that list. Looking at you, Mr. Ben Pearson. 
and yes, we can uh, hopefully come back with at least a share of the spoils, but ideally go back-to-back home wins. Wouldn't that just be pretty? Oh, yes. Imagine, imagine how different everyone would be feeling about about things with back-to-back. Uh, people would start using that word promotion again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I really am joking. Christ. Well, we were, um, we, were, we were looking the other day, weren't we, about when our 200th pod would come up. And it was like, well, it depends if we make the playoff. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, forget that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, for the next pod, we haven't got any midweek ones now for a few weeks, have we? I don't no, think. I think. I think the next double match week is Easter, maybe? I'd be wrong with that. Yeah, um, I, think, I think so. There's a, in, in March, is that the international break? Yes. Yeah, it is, and it's two weeks. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to have a... I think you're right. I don't think we're going to have another midweek one now for a bit. Uh, oh, yes, I think they've got Leeds away in the 5th of March. That's on a Tuesday. And then oh, it's on a Tuesday. Yeah, and then we play, obviously, Good, um, a good Friday and Easter Monday. And then we've got okay. the Wednesday, the 10th of April. So, yeah, there's not, not many midweek games left now. Good. So, yeah, all the pods will be out, every, everyone then, uh, normal time. So, every single Friday. Uh, around 6 a.m. ish, as long as the systems are being kind. Um, we might have a special guest for the next one, one that a lot of you would have heard it, the voice of a number of times, has not been on this podcast before. So, um, as long as the stars align, then there should be a nice, uh, a nice regular voice that you'll, that you'll like. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes, eh? Yes. We've got some. We have got. We've got a few people who are interested in joining us. A few new faces, haven't they? Who've come and asked if they can be a part of our our recording. So yes, we shall see. See how it all pans out. When uh, you're all over the the, you know, the 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 BBC website and everything, a drop of a hat without knowing about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to be careful about leaving the house soon. Dan, we'll be we'll be. Will be mauled by uh, all, all, all the uh, all the women throwing themselves at, at us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not worth the apple, Marcus. It's not worth the apple of it all. <laughs> it's not bad. Well, I, I brought a cap the other day, ready for my holiday in July. So, well, we'll, we'll go out with caps on, and I've got a fake beard I can give to you, um, or, or something. We'll, uh, we'll obviously we're on the joking, Christ. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, we, we we love a good tangent, and we thought we might finish on one. So, um, yeah, I guess Dan, look, appreciate you joining us, mate. Uh, let's enjoy the game. Hopefully, at the weekend, fingers crossed. We've turned a bit of a corner. Uh, we need more than one fixture to do that. But uh, you know, the fans were in good voice, good spirits. I think uh, in obviously in the week. So, uh, fingers crossed now that we can uh, take it into the weekend's game against Coventry. So. Thank you very much, mate, and I shall see you on the next pod. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.